Amen? Amen. Amen. We learned a little bit about kindness today. We're going to be putting that that into practice. Mark chapter number 5. You're in Mark chapter number 5. The gospel according to Mark, uh, several accounts of this story were given in the scripture. And we're going to be considering this story that took place during the life of Christ this morning. If you are able to stand, please stand with me for the reading of God's word. As we read our text for this morning's message, Mark chapter 5, and we'll begin our reading in verse number 25. Mark 5 and 25. It reads, And a certain woman which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse, When she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace, and be whole of thy plague. This morning we're going to be preaching a message entitled, What Saving Faith Looks Like. Now you may be thinking, well, how does this have to deal with salvation? The same faith that was displayed by this woman in the healing of her body is the same faith that people display when they get saved from their sins. And we're going to be explaining that this morning. Let's pray as we get into the service. Father, we pray that your blessing would be about your people today in this sanctuary. Lord, we need your help, and we ask you, Lord, to give it. I pray, Lord, that you would help me as I preach. Help me not to say anything that I should not say. And Lord, I pray that the the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart might be acceptable to you. And Lord, I pray that you'd speak to the hearts of hearers today. There may be someone here today who's suffering many things of many physicians. But today, Lord, may they meet the great physician, the one who can handle their problems. And Lord, we pray that your blessing would be about us. We, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. In Mark chapter number 5, we read of the situation that took place in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this this type of situation is an oft-occurring situation where we find that there are people that have problems. Sitting before me today is a group of people, a large group of people, and representative among this group of people are people that have problems. Some of you have major health concerns. Some of you have spiritual problems. Some of you have family problems. There may be problems in marriage. There may be problems with your parents, problems with your children. 
might be an issue between a husband and a wife this morning. There may be many types of problems that are represented here. And all I could say to you is this, that in some seasons of life, problems abound. And I can tell you that in my season of life, I have a lot of problems today. But if I focus upon those problems, I'm never going to get anything from the Lord. God does not want us focusing upon our problems. This church has a lot of problems. Amen? You know why this church has a lot of problems? Because we have people who are a part of the church. This may surprise you, but even you are a part of this church, and you have problems. But in my father's house, everything's all right. Jesus has the answers to our problems, and Jesus can certainly help us. I remind you that even during this passage in the Bible... There was more than just the woman that had the issue of blood. This was actually the interruption of Christ as he was going along with a man named Jairus who is found in Mark chapter number 5. Notice here, and the Bible says in verse 22 of Mark chapter 5, And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet. So here's Jairus, and he falls at Christ's feet, and look what happens. Look what Jairus is wanting to talk to Jesus about. And besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And in the middle of that story... This woman who has an issue of blood comes up and touches the hem of Christ's garments. And all this speaks of to me is the multiple problems that exist in the lives of people. Life is full of problems. People have many times big problems. When this man came to find the Lord, he was a ruler in the synagogue. And we're not going to preach about Jairus today, but only to mention the fact that here he was someone that would be looked down upon for going to Jesus. But he in his heart knew that the only one that could help his little daughter was Jesus. And he got all the way to Jesus and Jesus said, I'll go with you. And I'm here to tell you today that if you have problems in your life, the Lord will go with you too. Now, it's up to you to get to Jesus, and it's up to you to follow Jesus. It's up to you to believe Jesus. There's some people in this room today who are probably listening, and you're skeptical. Should I follow this man named Jesus? I've heard some things about him. This world today is great at confusing people about who Jesus is. I want to encourage you today to find the truth about Jesus and God's Word. You're not going to get this truth on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok. You're not going to get this from most of the people who talk to you about Jesus. It could even be that your mom or your grandma or your dad or your grandpa or somebody else in your life told you some things about Jesus. Anybody who told you anything about Jesus that doesn't line up with God's word isn't true. This world has been wonderful at building a false Jesus. A Jesus that you don't need to come to. A Jesus who pats you on the back when you're running after sin. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. Now while Jesus didn't condemn people, because he didn't come to this world to condemn people, that says that in John 3 and verse number 17, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus didn't come to condemn, Jesus came to save. But when people were brought before him in a sinful condition, Jesus said these words to them, go and sin no more. 
It is, not, it is not God's will that you just go forward and live in sin and, hey, have an attitude like, well, everybody makes mistakes. It's true that everybody makes mistakes, but the Lord wants you to go and sin no more. A sinful lifestyle is not going to help you. Now, I can say this today, friend. We are making spiritual references or types or applications to this story. Many times in the Bible, people had a physical problem that was illustrated and also illustrates a spiritual problem. This woman had an issue of blood, and she had it a long time. Now, all of us have an issue of blood as well. We get our blood from our fathers. Now, Jesus, as the Son of God, he had no earthly father. He had God's blood running through his veins. Jesus wasn't born like you and I were born. We had a mother and a father who contributed to our physical birth. Jesus had a heavenly father and an earthly mother. This is why the Bible says that Jesus was called the son of man. As the son of Mary, he was the son of man. But he had no earthly father, so he was the son of God. The Bible says, for, for God so loved the world that he, God, gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I believe in Jesus Christ. He was existent before his incarnation in Bethlehem. Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. He was the living word. John chapter 1 and verse number 1 says, In the beginning was the word. That's speaking of Jesus. He was, he's the living word. He, and the word was with God and the word was God. Now some religions don't believe this. And you need to avoid false religions. All religions don't tell you the truth. Some people are trying to tell you lies about who Jesus was. One day I had a man who told me that Jesus Christ was nothing but a male boy. That Jesus Christ was a created being. He was from a line of people called the Jehovah's Witnesses. The Jehovah's Witnesses are lying to people when they're talking about Jesus. Jesus Christ was not a God. He is God. Jesus Christ was not a created being. He is the Creator. Without Him was not anything made that was made. John chapter 1 and verse number 3. There are many religions and religious thoughts that people ought to avoid. Everybody who is talking to you about Jesus is not going to tell you the truth. But here's the whole point of the matter is that people have a lot of problems and multiple problems were present during the time of Christ. But Jesus was victorious over them all and He can be victorious for you as well. And so in Mark chapter 5, we have this woman. And we're going to consider today what she believed when she made her approach to the Lord. Now first, it talks to us about her past. The Bible says this certain woman in verse number 25 had an issue of blood 12 years. We started talking about this issue of blood that we have. And we'll, we'll try to stay here for just a moment. Our issue of blood is that we are sinners. By birth, choice, and practice. Now listen, my parents raised me in church. My dad got saved before I was born. My mama got saved before I was born. And they raised me in church all the days of my life. By the time I was born, I was a three-time-a-week churchgoer. You say, what do you mean a three-time-a-week churchgoer? It means I was taken to church Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. My dad was so serious about, about the Lord's house. I was a good baseball player. My dad and I played catch a lot. We loved playing baseball. How many of you are baseball fans in this place? Oh, I even had some women raising their hands. Who do you vote for around this place? I mean, are you guys Texas Ranger fans? Or 
Who, who's voting for who, who, who? What team do I need to stay away from? The Astros. Is, are there any Astro fans in the house today? Did anybody root for them? Oh, praise the Lord, Harry Shepard. We're, we're starting to get some church disunity in here. That's a blessing. We've got some people voting for the Astros. I heard they were reading signs. You ever see that picture that they, they put out where there was people with a, with a headset on as they were at, the, at, at bat? And anyway, the Tigers got their manager. It didn't work out too good for them. I'm sorry. That, my friend, is a rabbit trail. Anyhow, my dad raised me to play baseball. And, but he never wanted me to put sports before the Lord. And, we, and our Little League Baseball program in, in East Detroit, Michigan, they had games that were scheduled on Wednesday nights. And come 6.30 on Wednesday night, whether or not I was on the pitcher's mound or in the batter's box, my dad would take me off the mound and we would walk to the car in the middle of the game to go to church. Now when I was a kid, I didn't like that too much. But as an adult, I could tell you this, I have nothing but great respect for my dad because he was trying to teach me something. There's no sport that's more important than Jesus Christ. You young people, look at me, listen to me. God ain't going to judge you based on how many baskets you score or how many touchdowns you score at the end of your life. Girls, if you play volleyball, you have sports, how many things you run in track, whatever sport that you're involved in. There's no sport that should keep you out of heaven. Some people are raising their kids and they're going to be the best football player in hell. And the best basketball player in hell. The Bible says, what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Some people fall out of church because of what's going on in the sports, in the sports world. Listen, sports, it shouldn't be a God to you. And sports has become a God in the United States of America. And you need to be careful about it. Because it doesn't matter how many, how many touchdowns you... Listen, we, I've got athletes in my family. Some were blessed with God-given abilities and some weren't blessed with the same uh, abilities at all. But God's made, made, made all of my children. And I'm thankful for all of them. And I want my children to know, just as my dad passed down to me, sports doesn't come before the Lord. Now you may not like what I had to say there, but I'm here to tell you, if you love your children... You'll keep them in the Lord's house. Children need the word of God. Children need to be preached to. And children's lives, just as our lives, should revolve around the house of God. This is a way that this country has departed from the scripture. And so what I was saying was is that my parents raised me in church three times a week. I was a part of an Awana program on Wednesday nights. I memorized the scripture by the hundreds. I memorized hundreds of scriptures as a child. But you know what I had? I had a sin problem. No matter how good my parents raised me, no matter how they disciplined me when I did wrong, nothing that they could do could keep me away from sin because I was a sinner. Because I, just like this woman, had an issue of blood. And you have an issue of blood as well. In verse number 26, it says that this woman had gone to many physicians. She went to the doctors. You know, when she started having this issue of blood, she was trying to determine what was wrong with her. Some of us have gone to doctors and they have tried things with us. They've played guinea pig with us, if you will. They, they've tried, uh, uh, they've tried, say, drugs on us that were uh, maybe not fully tested, and they, you didn't know all the side effects. Have you ever, anybody ever had their doctor put them on some medicine and it did some things to your body that they never told you about? I remember me and my wife were walking through a store 
one time we were walking through a store named Meyer. How many of you know ever been to a Meyer? They got Myers around here. It's like a Kroger. It's like a store. You know. Well, I was staying up. I was living on Mountain Dew, and oh, I just loved Mountain Dew. It kept me awake when I was tired. I'd chew on ice. And uh, my doctor had been telling me, hey, if you don't lose some weight, you're going to come down. Because I always had low blood sugar. He said, you're going to have high blood sugar. And I was drinking all that Mountain Dew. And one day I was walking through the store and I broke out in a full sweat. I said, man, I don't feel too good. And my wife said, I think we need to check your sugar. And uh, she got me one of them sugar testers. And I, I experienced for the first time what it's like to have my thumb pricked with a needle. It was a real blessing. Ah! You know. And uh, that blood came out of my finger. She tested my sugar, and I was over 700. And uh, my doctor had warned me, you won't be low sugar for long if you keep living like this. And lo and behold, I, I, I became aware of the fact that I had diabetes at that time. And uh, all I could tell you is I had to change a little bit of my, of my life and my lifestyle. You say, why did you tell me that? I, I, I lost my train of thought, my, my problem. But any, anyway, the Bible says that this, this woman suffered many things of many physicians. And you know what? They put me on this medication. It was a big white pill called metformin. How many of you ever heard of that before? And boy, I'm going to tell you something. Some things started happening in my body when I started taking that pill. And uh, thankfully, the Lord, the Lord brought me into some uh, knowledge and just some, some understanding of what that thing was doing to my body. And I changed some other things. And basically, instead of eating wrong... I started to eat right and drink right, and I've been able to reverse my diabetes, and I don't have to take metformin anymore, so all those side effects were gone. You say, why'd you say that? Because some of you are trying some medications, and maybe it's doing stuff to your body that you can identify with what this woman had gone through. She'd went to many physicians. She probably got many, many people telling her many, many things, and she'd tried this, and she'd tried that. The Bible says that she suffered many things of many physicians. You ever met somebody who did an exploratory of surgery? They were having headaches or they were going through some kind of a pain. And the doctor was like, I'm not sure if this is going to work, but if we cut your head open, if we do this, if we do that, it's possible that it could relieve some of your pain. You ever met somebody who'd gone to a physician and they tried something on them and it didn't work out all that well? I'm here to tell you, I've met some people who've gone through exploratory surgery, exploratory of surgeries, and I'm not saying that right. I'm just going to get off the word. But I'm just going to tell you, I've met some people that have gone through and suffered many things as many physicians. In the scripture, again, sometimes there are things that represent spiritual problems. And I can tell you this, that there are many people who are suffering many things of many physicians. There are people who are going to the physician of social media to get their spiritual information or even their emotional affirmation. You know, we live in a world today who judges how well they're liked or how successful they are based on how many likes they can get on Facebook or Instagram. They make a post and they look and they look and who likes me and who doesn't like me? Who rejected me? Who's my friend and who's not my friend? I'm just here to tell you that's no way to live your life and you're going to suffer a whole lot of things of that physician. You young people are going to have to understand some things. This world was operating just fine before all this new social media came about. And what it's doing to the lives of people. You know, when me and my wife grew up, there wasn't a time in our lives when we had a, a phone and took pictures of ourselves. See, all of you are living in a different world. I know young people who on their, on their snap score, they've taken so many pictures, they're up into the millions. Millions. You can't take a million pictures of yourself and not have a problem. 
Now, some of you have a problem, and you know you've got a problem. You can't, I can't catch you kids without a phone. I was listening to Brother Daniel as we're coming in. Thank God for Brother Daniel. How many of you love Brother Daniel? Clap your hands if you like Brother Daniel. Amen. Thank the Lord for Brother Daniel. I was on my way over here, and Brother Daniel was telling these young people, don't let me catch you on your phone when you come to church. You know, come into the Lord's house, put your phone down. It's okay to put your phone down for a few minutes. How's the Lord going to get a hold of your heart if you ain't nothing but looking on your phone all the time? Some of you adults could do the same thing. And I thank God that he's given them some good advice. Listen, young people, Daniel doesn't hate you. And Daniel's not trying to hurt you. Daniel's just trying to help. And I thank God for somebody who's building the lives of our children by telling them, hey, come to church and put your phone down for just a second. You say, why are you talking about all this? I'm just telling you that there's people who try to find peace of mind in their interaction with social media and it is not going to work. Now, some of you older folks don't understand what social media is. You hear Bluetooth and you start looking in the mirror and making sure something's not on your teeth. You hear that something's stored up in the cloud and you're like, man, what's going on up there? And you don't understand none of this social media, but there's other things that you could run to in your life as well. People have been running to alcohol for many years. That's a physician to a lot of people. They have a hard day at work and they run to alcohol. They have a hard day at home, they run to alcohol. Alcohol is a false refuge and the Bible says it's very dangerous. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse number 1 says, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. People have run to prescription drugs. They're running to addiction today. We've got a world that is running to addictions. Just take me away from my problems for a minute. Let me put something in my mouth. Let Let me inject something in my arm. Let me snort something up my nose that'll make me forget about all these problems. And I'm here to tell you, it's a false physician it won't lead you to anything good some are looking for relationships to solve their problems if I just had a relationship if I just found this one or that one I've met a lot of people even recently they're just looking for the man of their dreams the woman of their dreams they think that getting into a relationship will solve their problems there's one relationship that you need to get in that will solve your problems and his name is Jesus Christ Jesus Christ can solve your problems he can help you and that's what this woman believed she knew after she had tried all these other physicians that there was no other hope for her than Jesus Christ there's absolutely no doubt from reading this story that this woman believed that she needed to get to Jesus in order to get help The Bible says in verse number 27 that she heard of Jesus. Now, if you're a Christian today, you need to get busy. Because there's one way that this woman heard of Jesus, and that's because people were advertising him. Some of you have relationships with people that the pastor will never have a relationship with. Because you live in your life, and I live in my life, but sometimes we get to draw together. I'm thankful today that we have the Word of God and that when I declare God's Word to people, God can work in their life. Some people need to hear about Jesus, and the only person they're going to hear about it from is you. You need to start advertising how great your God is. Don't advertise how great the pastor is. The pastor is not great. The pastor has a great God. The pastor preaches out of a great book. I was reading this morning in Psalm chapter 115 where the psalmist says, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto your name. God gets the glory in this church. This is the Lord's church. Jesus has the preeminence here. We serve a great God. She heard about this great Jesus. She heard that he was healing people. I wonder if she had heard that Jesus had healed the blind. 
and the sick, or that Jesus was able to raise the dead. She heard something about Jesus, and she said, this is the answer for what I'm going for. I remember when I started hearing about Jesus for the salvation of my soul, and I had the Holy Spirit of God come alongside the preacher, and he started working in my heart and showing me that I was lost. And it was God Almighty working in my heart telling me that, hey, what this guy's preaching is true. God began to draw me. But she heard of Jesus, and she had it in her mind, according to verse number 28, this is what she was saying to herself. She said, if I may just touch his clothes, I should behold. She, she, she had faith in Christ. She had faith that uh, over all the other things that she had ever tried in life, that this was the man, and he was the one that could help her with this issue of blood. And I'm here to say, if you're ever going to get saved you're going to have to believe that Jesus is the only answer for your issue of sin. There's only one answer, and that's Jesus Christ. He's the only way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There is no salvation outside of Jesus Christ. Religious works won't get it done. Baptism won't get it done. Putting money in the plate won't get it done. Doing good works won't get it done. Listen, you can give up your life and start working in philanthropic things, philanthropy, benevolent things, giving things to other people. That does not solve a sin problem that you have. Only Jesus can solve that. Only Jesus can offer forgiveness. One day I was driving years ago. Actually, it wasn't driving. I had a, a young lady come into church, and I love this young lady. I was actually going through my garage the last few weeks and saw a poem that this young lady had written to me. But she had a, a bumper sticker on the back of her car, and I always fought, found that bumper sticker to be kind of foolish. And it said this, try Jesus. Try Jesus. You know, like, hey, if, everybody, if everything else don't work, just try that. Now, Jesus isn't to be tried like a drug. Let's see if this works. Jesus is supposed to be believed and received. And even if it doesn't work out good for you in the short term, you know, some people get saved and their family rejects them. Well, for the person who say, oh, I'm going to try Jesus, and then everything that happened to me after I got saved was bad. Well, one thing that didn't happen that was bad was you got your sins forgiven, and you were assured of a home in heaven when you died. Those are good things. But listen, you just don't worship and serve the Lord or believe the Lord because only good things come to you in return. This is not a health, wealth, and prosperity gospel type church. We preach the truth here. The truth is that sometimes people get saved and some bad things were going to happen. Jesus said in this world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Jesus Christ was the answer to this woman's problem. And she knew she wasn't there to try Jesus She was there because she believed on Jesus. And the Lord said, now listen, the Lord said to her at the end of the story that her faith had made her whole. This this woman's belief was if there was anyone that could ever help her with her problem, it was the Lord. And no one gets saved without believing that. You can't get saved while believing there's multiple ways to go to heaven. Jesus is exclusive. He's an exclusive way. He said, I'm the only way, and he still is the only way. Now, if you read on here, the Bible says that when she got to Jesus and touched him, something happened inside of her and she knew it. This is kind of just like how salvation works. Listen, you don't get saved and not know something's happened inside of you. Now, there's a lot of people who come to Christ and they're kind of come either asking or trying. They've never come believing and receiving. And they don't know if they've truly been saved or not. Now listen, the Lord doesn't want you living in doubt. He doesn't want you thinking one day I'm saved and the next day I'm not. There are certain things that take place in your life 
that can cause you to doubt, but it is not God's will that you live in doubt. God wants you to have full assurance that you have been saved of your sins. Jesus Christ came to this earth. He died on the cross for your sins. He paid for every sin that you'd ever commit. And if you come to the Lord in faith and receive him, you are saved once and forever. I'm not just talking to you about Baptist doctrine today. This is what the Bible has to say about it. This is Bible doctrine. Now, if Baptist orthodoxy disagrees with the Bible, I go with the Bible because I'm a Bible believer. Now, what I'm saying to you today, friends, is if you get saved, you're always saved. There's some people who are constantly doubting. They never got assurance of salvation. Listen, when this woman touched the hem of Christ's garment, she knew what was done inside of her. She could feel it. Now, there may be some young people or children who come to the Lord before they ever get involved in the the worst sins that you can participate in. And they're certainly not going to feel the same way than an adult who's lived the life as a prodigal, who's come back and they've been saved and forgiven of their sin. There's going to be a different feeling that's come to their come come to their hearts. But I still believe that it is the Lord God Almighty who gives people in their hearts the assurance of salvation. God promises to send His Spirit into the hearts of a believer, sealing them to the day of redemption. Even a child knows when something has happened inside of them. I personally got saved as a child. And God let me know I felt the burden of sin lifted off off of my shoulders. Some of you are still carrying that burden of sin. You're still dealing with this issue of blood. You've never been saved by God's grace. And you need to get to Jesus. And you need to touch the hem of his garment, believing the same thing that this woman believed. And that is that Christ was the only answer for her sins. Not only that, but she was determined to get to Jesus. No one was going to stop her. Her parents weren't going to stop her. Her thoughts weren't going to stop her. Many of us can identify with the barriers that stood between us and the Lord. I remember sitting in church the day that I got saved and these thoughts were coming to my mind. I don't know where they were coming from, but I knew that I wanted to get saved. I knew that I wasn't saved. I knew that I wanted to go up to the front and talk to the Lord and receive Him by faith. But then I started thinking, well, what will people think of me if I go back up front? I'd already been baptized several times. What would people think about me? Her thoughts didn't hold her from the Lord. She didn't care what people thought about her at that point in time. She said, I'm going and I'm getting all the way to Jesus and I'm not stopping short. This is the attitude of what faith looks like. This is what her faith looked like. This is what your faith will look like if you ever got saved. Now see, if you're saved here today and you can identify with, I remember the day I got saved. I remember how the Lord worked in my life and how I received the Lord. You can identify and you can say, hey, amen, that's happened to me in my life. But there's some, you've never been saved by God's grace. You're lost and in your sins. But I'm telling you, if you come to the Lord today and have the same ideas and the same beliefs that this woman had, number one, she believed that Christ was the only answer. Number two, she was determined to get to Jesus. No beliefs of her own or of somebody else were going to hold her from getting to the Lord. The last thing I want to mention this morning is this. The Bible mentions the importance of faith. Faith is believing in something you can't see. God requires faith. You know, none of us were here when the world was created. But we know that God created the world. The Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Young people, if you've gone to school and you've gone to science class, no one's ever demonstrated that anything was ever created by an explosion. Okay, me and my wife are going to be moving to Fort Worth. I can assure you that when I move to Fort Worth, I'm not going to take some sticks of dynamite out into an empty field to build a home. That's what some of you believe when you believe that nothing exploded and all of us came out. 
No, God created the heavens and the earth. It defies common sense and logic to believe that we came from an explosion. You know, that that sign that we put up on the wall just a few minutes ago, that's not going to get built by an explosion. It's going to be built because someone designs it. Because somebody puts thoughts and intents into it. Your body has been fearfully and wonderfully made. Have you ever studied the human eye and how intricate it is? You realize how sensitive our bodies are to certain chemicals and just a little bit of a chemical imbalance and your body can be off and boom, you're thinking weird things and something's just off. And you ever met somebody who got on some medication and it caused just, just a little bit of a change in their body, caused them to think some strange things. I'm just here to tell you, our bodies were fearfully and wonderfully made by a great creator. He's a wonderful designer. But there are certain things you're never going to see. Now, see, the world will tell you that you, one side's religion and the other side's the other side is science. But I'm here to tell you, nobody has ever watched a monkey turn into a man. No one's. Furthermore, if you want to break it down even further than that, these people who believe in the Big Bang theory, they believe that a banana turned into a man. Furthermore, it believes that rocks, it rained on rocks for millions and billions of years, and then boom, it all exploded and out came man. Negative. That's all I can say to you. Negative. That's not how it worked. This is how it worked. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You didn't come from an explosion. If you'd like to believe that, don't act for one second that it's not religious. You have to believe something that you've never seen. That takes faith. You know what God requires of you if you're going to get saved? Faith. You've got to have faith. You've got to believe that God created you and he created all of you with a purpose. God's chiefest end of man was that we would glorify him. In your sinful state, you can't. You need to be saved by the grace of God. Now, I ran a little bit of rabbit trail there on the whole creation thing, but I'm here to tell you, This woman went to the man who created everything when there were things wrong in her body. And when she touched the hem of Jesus' garment, she was made whole. And this is what Jesus said made her whole. And we'll close with this in verse number 34. He says, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. What saved this woman in this health condition was her faith. The only way that you can get saved is by having faith in the Lord Jesus Christ in the finished work of Calvary. Jesus died for our sins on Calvary's cross. He shed his blood so that we might be saved. He was buried. He rose again the third day. And all of those things must be believed and received in order for you to get saved. Everything that this woman believed about Jesus being the only way and being determined to get to Jesus, she had faith in Christ. I want to ask you this. You died right now. Who are you trusting in to get you into heaven? I hope and pray that it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you've never touched the hem of Christ's garments by faith, if you've never believed on Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you today. Be saved today. The Lord would be honored if you were, you were to be saved. And if he's working in your heart, young and old, There may be an adult here today who says, I've been going to church for a long time. What will people think of me? Forget about what people will think. And remember that Jesus is reaching out for your soul. Don't let anybody in this church hold you from the Lord. And I'm here to tell you as well.
this church and the people who make up this church would be delighted if you got saved. Let's stand together as our heads bowed and our eyes closed. We're going to prepare for this verse of invitation. Maybe the Lord's speaking to your heart today. Maybe you can identify. Maybe you can identify with a woman who had a lot of problems. And a problem that she'd gone to many people about. I just want to encourage you today. There could be somebody in the the church house today and your problem isn't that you're not saved, but you've got a lot of other problems in your life. Jesus stands ready to help you. Jesus wants to help you and can help you. You may need to visit the altar today. Say, Lord, I've got these problems. I've got these issues. But I'm going to give this to you. We're going to sing a song in just a moment called, Lord, I'm Coming Home. The first verse of that song says, I've wandered far away from God. Some of you are right there today. You've wandered far from God. Won't you come home? Why don't you come back to the Lord? Say, no, I won't do that. It's up to you. You want to walk away from the Lord when you have these issues? That's up to you. God doesn't force you. He didn't force this woman to come to Jesus. He won't force you either. Could be somebody here who's not saved. Pastor, I'm not saved. I need to be saved today. I want you to invite you to come. Just come down this aisle. Tell me, I'd like to be saved today. We'll have someone pray with you. I pray that God works in your life. As Brother Earl sings, with her heads bowed and her eyes closed, as he sings, won't you come? I wandered far away from God.
We'll sing another verse in just a second as the piano plays. I think all of us can identify with the words of this song because we are prone to wander as people. I think the next verse says, My soul is sick, my heart is sore. My faith renew, my hope restore. If you need to come back to the Lord, I'm here to tell you the Lord is always ready to open His arms to people who will come back to Him. You could be a Christian here today and just like the prodigal son, you've wandered away from the Lord. You could see it in your attitude, in your life, in your thoughts. Not thoughts of faith, but thoughts of doubt, thoughts of discouragement. I know this, the devil's been real busy. He's been real busy. Maybe you succumbed to something like that. I want to tell you something. The Lord's here to receive you to come home too. And I've been there as a Christian. Remember times when I was in the church and I knew it was me. It's me, Lord. Not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my mother, not my father, not the pastor, not the deacon. It's me, oh Lord. And if God's working in your life as a Christian, I want to tell you it's a good time to come home too. And the Lord's ready ready for you. He'll always receive. He'll never see you coming back and saying, no, no, no. He takes you just as you are. I hope and pray for those of you who don't know the Lord that you get saved before it's too late. There is a time period where the Lord shuts the door. Some of you are thinking about it. You may be just about ready. Take your trip. I want to invite you to come back to the Lord. As we sing this last verse, if no one else comes, we're going to close. Won't you come? My soul is sick. My heart is sore. Now I'm coming home. Faith renew my hope restore. Lord, I'm coming home. Sing out now. in somebody's life. You don't, you don't ever put a time period on when God gets to work. I'm not so in a hurry to get to dinner where I won't want the Lord to work in the services. We've had a lot of young people have been coming forward lately. I thank God for that. I thank God for God working in the lives of young people. Young people, God loves you. There's so many things out there to confuse you. But Jesus loves you. You turn to Christ, he'll help you. There could be somebody else here today and God's just keeping this open just for you. 
Won't you listen to the Lord? Won't you believe like the woman with the issue of blood? Jesus has the answer to this. I'm coming to the Lord. Maybe something in your heart. Might be something in your soul. Whatever it is that you need healing about. Won't you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? The Bible says that. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Jesus said all things are possible to those that believe. That's talking about faith, friend. Faith made her whole. Faith made me whole. And by the way, it's salvation. I thank God for that. Let's sing that first verse again. I wandered far away from God. Oh, but now I'm coming home. The path of sin to all I've tried. That path of sin is not going to lead you anywhere good, friend. It'll always lead you to destruction. Come home to the Father. people said thank you for being at the metropolitan baptist church today we pray that god has taken the service to bless your heart i have been blessed by being in the presence of god today in prayer meeting and uh, being around god's people i feel the love and the uh the concern of god's people as from me and my family we say thank you for that and uh i hope and pray that having been to metropolitan baptist you feel the arms of love wrapped around you not only by the lord but by the people who gather in this place. A loving church. The Bible says that charity covers a multitude of sins. And may God help us to have that kind of love in our hearts towards other people. Don't forget about tonight's service. Tonight's service begins at 6 o'clock. If you uh, would like to come back, we have a service just like this. usually starts at 6 and ends around 7. And uh, we'll sing a few songs and get into God's Word and preach a message from God's Word that is hopefully a blessing to you. I hope that you will uh, be back tonight at 6 p.m. We're going to we're going to pray and we're going to ask uh, we're going to ask somebody to dismiss the service in prayer. I want to let you know this that the, this invitation's never ever closed. If God's working in your heart, you may not have come forward for the invitation, but God can still do a great work in your life. And uh, if you speak to me after the service and say, "Hey, I need to get saved or I need you to pray for me," I want I want you to know that I'm here for you. And I want you to feel free and at liberty to tell me that. May God bless you throughout the afternoon. Brother Bruce Martin, we're going to call on you to dismiss the service in prayer, please. Well, we ask now that you bless each one of our going home, our going out and coming back again this afternoon. We thank you for the message that you used of your servant to bring to us about the woman and the issue of blood and her faith. And may her example of faith also motivate us to trust and depend upon you. We thank you, Father, for the privilege of knowing you and worshiping you this morning. We pray that that spirit might be felt in everyone's heart. And if anyone is, even now, being touched by the Holy Spirit to make a decision, 
May they surrender to that will of the Holy Spirit for life. Yes. Take us now to our places as we enjoy our families, but also bring us back again for prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.